Florida Business Minds, presented by the Florida Business Journals, and brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. In this episode, Tampa Bay Business Journal real estate editor Ashley Gerbel Kreitzer invites Melanie Griffin to share her insight for business owners, professionals, and entrepreneurs across the state. The former Tampa attorney and founder of Spread Your Sunshine now leads Florida's Department of Business and Professional Regulation. Well, Melanie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I am so excited for this conversation. Oh, me too. I want to go back in time a little bit to when you were approached for this role. You had a thriving legal career here in Tampa, so much going on here in Tampa, and then you're being approached to take on this statewide role in Tallahassee. What were your thoughts when this opportunity sort of entered your life? There were a lot of questions. I wanted to know certainly what it entailed and what would be required to make sure that I did a good job. But it was also exciting because when I was an undergrad in grad school, I worked in the legislature and executive branch before. So it was tough going to private practice at that point and leaving that part of my life behind. And so it was a great meeting of the world in terms of using my business experience with this department that I was asked to lead, as well as that old life, so to speak, in, you know, air quotes regarding the government side that I really have a passion for as well. I saw you were a Florida State Seminole, so it's a bit of a homecoming on that front. How do you split your time between Tampa and Tallahassee? DBPR actually has 13 offices statewide that are our main offices and then a couple of additional smaller offices that have one to three employees. And so while I certainly spend a majority of my time or a lot of my time in Tallahassee, my second most visited office is Orlando because there are a lot of trade associations and conferences that have gone there, especially over the summer months that we work with. And then really, I try to then get to the other areas of the state as well to make sure that we're doing a good job of not only building morale within the department itself, but then also reaching all of our stakeholders and licensees across the state. So that is a lot to balance. What does your day-to-day look like? I'm sure there's no such thing as a typical day of summer in Tallahassee, summer in Orlando, and summer who knows where in the state of Florida. But what generally does a typical day look like for you? There is no answer to that question. Ashley, you hit the nail on the head. As one of my colleagues once said, there's always a healthy dose of surprise included in every day. So you can certainly count on that in terms of being flexible and pivoting. A lot of it is really being responsive to what is going on for the day. So for instance, um, you know, at the time we're recording this, we're about a week or so post Hurricane Ian. And so we've been spending a lot of our time in the impacted areas throughout Volusia, Seminole and Osceola counties, as well as down in Southwest Florida. And then also pivoting as necessary based on the daily needs that arise. Take us inside what DBPR does in terms of hurricane relief. What have you been doing on the ground in Southwest Florida? So the Department of Business and Professional Regulation, although it does not dovetail with our daily responsibilities of regulating businesses, keeping them licensed and keeping consumers safe, 
we, for the purpose of disasters, all state agencies are divided into different tasks or units. And so our unit is mass critical care, which helps to coordinate all of the statewide efforts for sheltering, feeding, and points of distribution. And so we not only worked in the emergency response center for about a week and a half leading up to the hurricane and through the hurricane and still have staff that are there on the ground. But then once the hurricane was over, my big job became going to the impacted areas to make sure that the shelters, the feeding sites and points of distribution were running well. And then to also start transitioning into participating in the disaster recovery centers that have been set up by the state and FEMA, as well as the insurance villages that we're partnering on with the chief financial officer, Jimmy Patronis. And then in addition to that, in the neighboring areas, we're really focused on making sure that our vulnerable populations do not become subject to bad actors, including unlicensed contractors that tend to flood the state when we have a major event like this. So for instance, we recently had an elderly person who was unfortunately highlighted on the news because they were quoted $47,000 by an alleged contract to put a new roof on their mobile home. The person paid a 50% deposit to that alleged contractor, $23,500. And that person had no intent to do the work for the elderly resident and was planning to skip town. Thankfully, because of the efforts of our partners that we work with on these types of cases, the bad actor was arrested and is, I understand it, now in custody. And certainly that case will be worked through. But that's the type of activity that we're really concerned about and want to make sure it doesn't happen in the aftermath of a storm. That is heartbreaking, but ultimately uplifting that you folks were able to step in and advocate on behalf of that citizen. I think when a lot of us think of regulators at a, at a state or a federal level and licensing, we don't think of the human aspect of it. So it seems like there's a far more personal layer to this than a lot of folks would realize. I think so, because a lot of the things that we work on, again, certainly, of course, involve regulation. And I know that there is that misconception that that's the only thing that we look at. But there are a lot of other what I would call soft skills that we are certainly concentrated on throughout the year. So for instance, the department does a lot with human trafficking. As you may know, depending upon what survey you're looking at, Florida tends to fall in the number two or number three spot, which is not something we're proud of. And the DeSantis administration, particularly our lieutenant governor, has been really instrumental in helping to combat that. And so, for instance, our hotels and restaurants division that oversees not only our traditional hotels, but all lodging establishments, including apartments that are five units or more, we have worked really hard on helping to combat human trafficking, including legislation that was passed about two years ago that requires all of our lodging establishments to have a human trafficking awareness training for certain of their employees within, I believe it's 60 days of onboarding to make sure that they can help spot human trafficking and report it. We also have had a program this year that has been dedicated to recognizing our licensees who have celebrated milestones or anniversaries and are really doing a lot of awesome things in their communities and going to their community with either the department and or elected officials or others to celebrate them and present them with a proclamation on behalf of the state of Florida to thank them for their service. So like you said, that's not an exhaustive list, but it certainly shows some of the things that a regulatory agency does just beyond the day-to-day -day regulation to keep consumers safe. 
That really is incredible. And it strikes me how much of a departure this is from your private practice world is I can't imagine. It's almost as if you've entered a different universe. It is. And it's not. When I first took the role, I was super excited. And then there was a little bit of a panic of what have I done? Um, But then once I got into it, what was interesting to me is that although on paper, it may look like several of the experiences that I have in my background are different than what it's like to lead a large agency, they all came together to give me the culmination of the skill set that I need to be effective. And so a lot of times, there are situations that arise um, at the agency, whether it's working on a stakeholder issue or something that involves employees that I've seen play out in a different realm and have really helped me then make decisions about how to move forward in this aspect. I also think that being a small business owner myself previously, I, as you noted, practiced law for several years. And then the last two-ish years before entering this job leading DDPR, I was of counsel working part-time in a law practice and then also did a lot of keynote speaking and private corporate training and selling inspirational products. And so with that, I know what it's like to walk in the shoes of a small business owner and have to meet payroll and to try to keep the lights on during the pandemic and have different constraints. So it really gives me for an appreciation for the clients that we now service through the agency and what some of their needs and stresses are and how we can hopefully help best address those. So I will get to your small business in just a moment. It's called Spread Your Sunshine. But I want to go to what actually led you to that small business, your childhood upbringing and the influence that the fourth generation family farm had on that. I'm a 4-H kid myself, was an FFA. So can you talk about having family in the agriculture business and how that made you the person you are today and how that also influences what you do at the state level? Absolutely. I would say a couple of things there is one, um, there's just so many things that come to mind from, um, you know, my grandparents and my mom. I think they were very realistic people, certainly very hard workers. And so much of that is instilled in me in terms of making sure that we focus on people and have a heart for them. Also, as you know, probably pretty well from the farming community, you can have some really great years. You can also have some really difficult years and it's difficult to even put food on the table because things like weather and other predictors are just completely out of your control. So it's not lost on me that the better we do our job means that those business owners can provide not only for themselves, but for the people who are on their payroll. And if we're inefficient, then it impacts their ability to do so. Um, So there's just, like you said, so much, I think, in terms of a strong farm background, as my family likes to say, they're like, this is what got you where you are. And I, I couldn't disagree. They certainly had a big influence in where I ended up today. When we look at Spread Your Sunshine, what struck me, a lot of attorneys at your at the stage of your career are just all about billable hours. There's really nothing as fun or as bright in their lives as Spread Your Sunshine. So how did you make that decision to sort of split your time between Spread Your Sunshine and your legal career? It's funny you mentioned that because I love working obviously on Spread Your Sunshine and a big impetus for that was my desire to mentor others and it kind of became a uh, part-time slash full-time extra job and I thought man if I could get these materials onto a website and help serve more people that it not only would help me with some time management but just be more effective in terms of serving a broader audience. 
But with that, the reason I'm, I'm chuckling a little bit is that you do have that impression of lawyers, and certainly I do too. And there are many that, like you said, around the time that I stepped back, they are really ramping up and entering some of the golden years of their practice. For me, I just found that it wasn't the way that I experienced joy or could give the most back to the world. And so I certainly stayed of counsel because I thought I still had a role to play and could do good on behalf of my clients. But in terms of a full-time practice, just didn't think that's where I could make the biggest impact. And what's funny about it is that now that other lawyers know that this is the decision I've made, it's almost like a Catholic confession where I cannot tell you the number of times someone will come up to me and, you know, kind of whisper that they are also looking for a different strategy, but want to know how it is to do it. And so it's almost like this secret, you know, that they're afraid to let out. And I think that the two main factors that I see that sometimes are overcomable for people and sometimes are very real obstacles that I understand are one, their financial situation, as well as number two, they just don't know what else they would do. They are super talented, but they're so tied to that persona of being a lawyer. It's difficult for them to imagine how they might use their skill set in a different way. That's true. A lot of attorneys have been attorneys in their heads since they were five or six years old. So it, it is definitely a profession that um, is core to the identity of some folks. So spread your sunshine. We've talked that it's a, a you were a keynote speaker. There was an inspirational gift part of the business. Tell us more. Take us inside the world of spread your sunshine and everything you were doing with that business. It initially was meant to be a business that was really a personal brand that allowed me an opportunity to provide additional mentorship and to uplift others. And when I started it, going back to the farm background, my granddad was very instrumental in my life. I thought it would get up and going faster. And so it was a great lesson in just start a project because um, my granddad was entered into hospice and um, passed away within two months of that. And it was right around the time I had launched the website that said coming soon. And now I look back and think of some terrible choice of words. I think it took like 21 months for me to actually get my website up. But what was remarkable was that during that time, it didn't matter that this project that previous to having this forced on me, I would have insisted on being perfect before releasing it. But because of circumstances, it got released in this imperfect way. And then I didn't have time to work on it for a while in the same way that I wanted to. But even just putting the idea out there allowed it to grow and became this mini movement, I feel like amongst not only myself, but then others that understood the concept of uplifting others and being that bright spot in their day. And the fact that that really is a superpower we all have is to really influence how someone feels about themselves or what their day looks like. Um, and so since then is when it really grew into not only making inspirational products that reinforce that message, but then also then on the keynote speaking and private training side, which um, I still do some of in addition to my full-time job with the department, but certainly have taken a bit of a backseat for the last year, just given the magnitude of that role. Melanie Griffin joining us. Next, her advice on how to make dreams a reality as Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. Committed to being a leader in Florida's economic growth and to delivering clean and efficient natural gas solutions in a responsible way. More at floridasenergy.com. 
so I feel like I've been mentored a little bit just now, just from this conversation, the advice being start now, because we never say, I'm never going to write my novel. We say, I'll write my novel tomorrow, and then it never happens. So great advice on that. What are some of your other go-to words of inspiration or advice for folks who want to start a project, whether it's a personal brand, something more artistic, a small business. How do you mentor people to take that leap? One of the ways that I mentor them is just to get started. And I obviously, you know, demonstrate that myself in terms of the website. I had to learn that lesson myself in real time. And it was soon after that that when I knew I was looking to build up more of the keynote speaking, I talked to an industry expert that someone was gracious enough to connect me with. And this guy was all star. I was just so excited to speak with him. And after about 40 minutes, he said, okay, that's enough. Um, we're not going to talk anymore. And I was kind of at first taking it back and I said, okay. And he goes, because that itself will take you a year. And it really hit me when I had a chance to analyze what he said. He was so right. And now when I mentor others, I kind of do the same thing where not just from a time management perspective, but even just what the person will be able to take in and work on is that it is a slow growth and you have to accept that you're not going to have the perfect website and logo and intellectual property and product and service, you know, overnight. And a lot of that then leads to my second piece of advice is a good thing is that you want to be able to test your product or service and not just invest too many resources into it. There is actually research that shows that companies that are overfunded in the beginning tend to fail just as much, if not more often than those that seem like they lack capital funding because they can get really comfortable with that amount of funding they have and not ever bring their product or service to market, test it, and not get any feedback. And so you want to get that out there in some ways in an imperfect state because before you make that product in your mind final and invest a lot of resources, you want to know, did you say the right thing? Did you do the right thing? Did you impact the community in a way that's meaningful and always be willing to pivot? What worked today isn't necessarily going to work Tomorrow, we've all obviously learned that now a few times, not only with COVID, certainly, you know, our citizens across the state that were impacted by Hurricane Ian are seeing that. And, you know, with inflation, there's a lot of things that have made life a situation that business owners have to react to. And so being able to be quick and nimble. And so I think this is a key to success. And the last thing I'll say is plan to succeed and not fail. I think a lot of us, although we certainly are going to have setbacks and not everything is perfect. A lot of times we can get in this lack of confidence mode where we think about what if this doesn't work out? What if this product doesn't work? What if no one buys my service? What if I don't get my next client? What if I don't get into grad school, get my job, et cetera. And none of us fail a hundred percent of the time. And by never actually planning to succeed, we're not actually planning for the future and setting ourselves up for success. That is true. And it is fascinating to think about what is it for you that fills your cup with mentoring and coaching other people? Because I can even hear it in your voice. So you're clearly very passionate about this. What is it about that coach role that really fills your cup? There's nothing better than giving back and seeing someone succeed. I had people from an early age that really poured into me and made a huge difference. And so the the opportunity to do that for others is just so fulfilling and I love seeing others shine. And one of my favorite things that happens because I'll 
forget that I even sent something to someone, but going back to Spread Your Sunshine inspirational products is that all of them have congratulatory messages like, you know, congrats, Sunshine, you totally rock, or with love and sunshine, you're number one fan. And so the number of people that I have sent those to, that it could be one, two, sometimes five years later, that I'll see someone and they say, you know, that's the thing that I look at every day that I have on my desk that really keeps me going. And that it strikes me, A, just that you have that impact on someone and wow, what a gift to be able to give back to the world in that way. But then to the fact that that's the only thing that a lot of times they remark they have. And to think about that, again, that's your superpower to have that impact on someone just by giving them a compliment or giving them something that reminds them of how awesome they are in their own unique way. And I just think there's nothing better that you can give back to others and to the world. So you've been with the state for 10 months now. I'm curious if there are any big changes you've made to the way DVPR does business, anything you have streamlined, anything that you've changed to make the lives of Florida's licensees easier. I certainly hope so. Uh, some of the big projects that we have been working on, one is certainly employee morale. There was um, some turnover in our agency. And so my, I'm crossing my fingers that I'm able to stay in this role for a while to provide some stability. And that happens from time to time in any agency for a number of reasons. And so with this, you know, in terms of employee morale, we have really been trying to have um, monthly events for our headquarters office, as well as to make sure that we're visiting our field offices and our stakeholders. So we have about 30 professional boards that we oversee. Um, and so making sure that they know that they have a direct connection to the agency, I think that's made a big difference. Certainly instituting the proclamations that we've been giving around the state to make sure that we're not only like you mentioned earlier in this conversation, regulating, but then also celebrating our licensees who are doing awesome things and helping to bring light to their business, which hopefully then, you know, drive additional consumers to them and helping them flourish. We have also really been looking at technology and how that can be a further tool for us. And so we have a modernization project that we are presently working on. We were granted about $4 million plus from the legislature during the regular session in 2022. And so we're using those funds to modernize our call center and our website. And then with that have been meeting with our IT team about additional steps that we can take even beyond that project to make things more efficient internally as well as for our external stakeholders. So we have several additional initiatives in the pipeline. That's certainly kind of an overview of some of the things that we've been working on the past several months. Well, it seems like spreading sunshine is just the nature of your being, because when I think of regulators, I don't really think of anything celebratory, but it's it's fascinating that you want to bring that level of positivity and um, just your general demeanor to, to a state office. Yeah, so the, the hashtag that I've used a lot with the state agency that's a little bit different than spread your sunshine, but is shining brightly together. And to me, if you think about the role of the state, and shift your mindset a bit. If we're, again, doing our job well and we're working with our industry stakeholders, the associations that say support the realtors or the home builders or the roofers, whomever it might be, if we have a really good partnership with them, with our licensees and with what we're doing internally, then it makes us all shine brightly together. It's what makes business work in Florida and makes Florida one of the best, if not the best economy in the union. And so again, understanding, you know, the traditional 
view of our agency, I really do think there's a lot that we can do to be a bigger part of that process and to help our businesses thrive here in the state. It seems like you are on a one-woman mission to change the reputation of bureaucrats. I don't know about one woman mission. We have a great team at DBPR and I would be remiss if I didn't give kudos to both of my deputy secretaries, Brian Mims and Brian McManus, as well as our whole team at DBPR. We really have a group of cheerleaders. And one of the things that I find remarkable since they don't necessarily get the same kudos or um, extra pay that you might get in a different organization is that, believe it or not, we have people at work that want to volunteer for committees and ask for additional things to do to help build morale and reach out to our stakeholders. And I just think that that is a huge testament to the employees we have and their commitment to being excellent because, again, that's extra hours that they're staying with no true benefit other than just feeling good and knowing that they've added to someone else's day. So I I think our whole agency is hopefully on this mission. So I know you've already uncovered several little nuggets um, that weren't very well known about your role or your department. Is there anything else we haven't touched on that most folks would be surprised to learn about the department? The other thing that surprised me is just the exceptional work product that there certainly are times that just like any other organization, we have things that we need to work on. But when I came to the state, it's sad to me sometimes the um, reputation or the generalizations that are made about state workers because having come from private practice and particularly the legal field where there is a demand for exceptional work product in terms of writing and research, you find that just as much if not more at the state agency level. There are several times that if someone has written something for me to send to someone, I literally cut and paste what they have drafted because it's just exceptional in terms of their analysis and their writing and their ability to clarify that for the person we need to communicate that message with. And so seeing that really gives a different light to the state worker and just their hearts for service. We have so many employees. We just finished our year of celebration program in Tallahassee this week. We're still finishing up at some of our field offices, but celebrating the people who have been with the state and oftentimes our agency in particular for five, 10, up to 40 years. And to see a type of commitment and the way that they view the agency as their family is just really awe-inspiring. Melanie, I got to say, having a personal brand spread your sunshine, that is a high standard. And I think you excel. You blow past the standard of spreading your sunshine, even in a role as state regulator. So thank you so much for coming on, for spreading your sunshine to our podcast. And I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Oh, I hope so. Thank you for having me. This is a treat today. Melanie Griffin joining us. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds. Presented by the Florida Business Journals and brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy.